Welcome to the Oddsbreakers, your number one place for shared, sharp betting information. Ah. <laughs> Welcome back to Podcast 79 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at the Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by this season for the best sports contests in all the land. Please visit www.thesn.com slash OB. Play with thousands of people. For thousands of dollars. If you'd like to support the Asbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theasbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our premium cappers. You get their premium plays for line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. If nothing else, please visit the Asbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. Happy Halloween, my friends. How bad was that laugh in the beginning, by the way? Uh, uh, swear to God, only did one take on that. Uh, I did practice like two times before I hit record, but... Uh, uh, probably wasn't that good, but either way, we have a great show for you today because Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com is back to break down a wonderful weekend of college football. Also going to be covering some NFL myself. There's going to be one show this week. Uh, wanted to just get it out there being that's Halloween coming up this weekend and the reason that I didn't save this show for next week is, well, A, kids don't listen to this podcast, so if you're an adult, you might be celebrating Halloween with some friends this weekend, and B, it just falls on a weird day on Tuesday. We'll probably have that misleading final scores and analysis show on, on Tuesday as normal, recorded Monday, but this is our Halloween show, and that's what we're rolling with for College Football Week 9 and NFL Week 8. So very excited to get into that. Before we get into that, looking for some NBA cappers. If you're not too scared to put out some good plays at theoddsbreakers.com, feel free to inquire with us at theoddsbreakers at info at theoddsbreakers.com. So I also want to mention something that happened over the weekend. Uh and this is the kind of stuff that you need to run away from in sports betting. And it's these absolutes type massive statements. Well, Chris Russo is a big Major League Baseball guy. And he said he was going to quit radio or never come back if the Diamondbacks take two in Philadelphia. I mean, what kind of statement is that? How irresponsible is that? I mean, let's just look at the lines. Philly was like, what, minus 175-ish, you know, in both of those games. I mean, that tells you there's definitely a shot that the Diamondbacks are going to win. I think the real implied odds were probably more like minus 160. So like a 40% chance that they would lose each game individually, you know? I mean, quit radio forever? I mean, were you trying to quit radio? I, I don't understand that statement. But he also did this years ago and just never quit. Can It kind of showed up like nothing happened. 
But this is the whole thing that we try to get away from. I'm going to mortgage my house on this, you know, just stupid people making stupid decisions. And if they're wrong and they don't pay up their bet, how do you respect that person later? You know, it absolutely makes no sense to do that because not only are you betting against a very good chance of happening or making a statement against it, you're also going against the umpires or the officials. You saw those strikes. They were being called strikes below the square. They're a little bit low, and Philadelphia likes to hit high fastballs out into the stands. They don't hit that good against low pitches. Or that they don't hit that well, I should say. You know? So what a just irresponsible way of going about things and making these outlandish statements. What good does it do for you? I mean, the only thing I would mortgage my house on if the sun doesn't come up the next day. I would mortgage my house that the sun comes up the next day. And guess what? If it doesn't come up the next day, I'm pretty sure that nobody is coming up the next day in this world. Literally, what an absolute crazy thing that Chris Russo said. I guess he's going to be paying up, but he's not quitting TV. He is quitting the radio. We'll see if he lives up to it this time. All right, well, we have a long show, so I'm going to get right into NFL Week 8. And we're going to kick some scary sounds going on, being that this is our Halloween episode here for some background fun. All right, starting with the Thursday night football game, being that this show is coming out on Thursday morning, we can cover that a little bit. You have the Tampa Bay Bucks at the Buffalo Bills. Bills are minus 8.5. The total is 43 now. The Bills... Massive issues on defense with their injuries. And this is why it's hard to handicap them using some of the stats that they used before. When you have cluster injuries like the Bills do or main guys out, then what they did before doesn't always factor in as much, right? Dawson Knox is out with their tight end. It looks like Kincaid's going to be playing a lot. Uh, Matt Milano went on IR. You know, he was their best linebacker. That's a massive part of their defense. He was their Mike linebacker. Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver, two defensive tackles are questionable. Uh, a backup, Balen Spector, their linebacker, is out. So here you are with an injured Bills team. Don't forget about Tredavious White, their best corner. And they're facing a terrible offense like the Bucks. You know what's funny about the Bucs? They can't run the ball anyway. 3.1 rushing yards per attempt is close to dead last in the league. While the Bills give up 5.2, what crap is going to live up to that situation? A bad rushing defense or a bad rushing offense? And then you have Tampa Bay that gives up a ton of passing yards. But it's also the spot. You know? The Bills coming off a loss and Tampa Bay... Also coming off a nasty loss because Baker Mayfield couldn't throw the ball. You know, they're down to 6.8 passing yards per attempt. Or sorry, 6.4 passing yards per attempt. That keeps going down. Baker Mayfield can't seem to hit the broadside of a barn lately, and they certainly can't run the ball. So, I mean, what are you going to do with this one? I think just Josh Allen wins the game himself. Do I have a lot of confidence in Josh Allen? 
not really. <laughs> not really, dude. Um, <clears throat> I think he can be a little haphazard himself. I think a fair line in this game is seven, just based on all the injuries for Buffalo. But do I have the cojones to take Tampa Bay that can't seem to move the ball in a embarrassed spot for Buffalo? Not really. Next game, Sunday, no early morning games. You have the New Orleans Saints at the Indianapolis Colts. So a couple quick things. I know some sharper people on the Colts. Uh, it's because of their performance really last week is telling people like, hey, you know, maybe they're getting better with Garner Minshew. But, I mean, you can't go week by week with this stuff. The Colts are still a pretty bad team, you know. And they have some serious issues if Minshew is throwing picks. The Colts rank 29th in quarterback EPA right now. You know? So that's a little worrisome. Their offense in general is decent with 20. And I, I like the fact that Jonathan Taylor is coming back. Their defense is actually kind of average, too, at 14th in EPA. But, man... I don't like either coach because Shane Steichen stunk it up in the first half, if you remember last game, and I don't like Dennis Allen either. You know, I don't give a coaching matchup to either team. But what I will say is Saints are pretty embarrassed. They need this game in a division that they can win. I don't think the Colts can win this division, but they're certainly going to try. It's a low-confidence pick em is what I have in this game. A low-confidence pick em. Total pretty low, 43.5. I'd possibly be interested in certainly teasing this one up a bit higher, obviously, to uh, maybe like the Saints up to 7.5. I'm going to think more about that. Derek Carr has been yelling at his teammates, even though he's a terrible passer. It's just a situation where I don't trust either side all that much. Believe it or not, the Saints are number four in defense VPA, 21st in offensive VPA. I mean, you give a little bit of an advantage here to the Saints, a little bit of home field for the Colts. Let's move on to the next game. The New England Patriots against the Miami Dolphins. Miami's about nine and a half point favorite. The total is 47. A little teaser protection there for Miami. The spot favors Miami coming off the nasty loss against the Eagles. Patriots coming off the big win against the Buffalo Bills. But at the same time, the Patriots are still way down low, and they're going to try to make a little bit of a run here. The Patriots are still quite injured on defense. It's Judon for me. You know? It's Judon. He was the guy that was disrupting things. You know, they keep getting worse and worse because he's been out. And he's not going to be back for a little while. They also have some issues at their offensive line. Riley Reif, injured reserve last week. Uh, Tyrone Wheatley now out. <laughs> you know, you have some receivers that are questionable. This could turn out to be a blowout. But it's a division game, and I always lean the dog in uh, the next meeting. But even with that, Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out. Marcus Jones, cornerback out. Isaiah Bolden, out since August. I mean, there's just so much, so many issues with the Patriots defense that it's, Mac Jones is going to have to have a great game. Can I trust Mac Jones? Not really. 
Sadly, my numbers have this a much bigger spread. I have Miami minus 12 in this game. Certainly not going to lay that now, but it's under consideration. I would be going against something, second row, second divisional game, second time they played each other in one year. Usually that favors the dog. So I'm not sure if I want to make that move. Next game. The Rams versus the Cowboys. And the Rams are plus six and a half. The total is 45. This is another game that I don't necessarily want to get involved in. I think the Cowboys are in a great spot coming off the bye. The Rams have a ton of talent. Yet, do you trust Matt Stafford, who's been a statue in the past, against that Cowboys pass rush? I don't necessarily. Now, the Cowboys aren't in a great spot, really, being that they won their last game, but they're coming off a bye, so I guess that negates that. So they are in a better spot, yet the Rams coming off a nasty loss against Pittsburgh where McVay was out of timeouts. Or sorry, not out of timeouts. He was out of challenges. That could have changed that whole game around. Six and a half is a pretty solid number for a Cowboys team coming off the bye in my opinion. I actually have this game Cowboys minus five and a half. Get to seven, maybe I'll be a player. Next game, the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now I finally have a play here for you guys. Jacksonville quietly starts bad, quietly gets good. The Steelers come off the bye, win a game that they shouldn't have won, in LA, that's what the Steelers do, and they're sitting here as a two and a half point dog here at home with a low total of 42. One thing I've noticed with the Steelers is they start terribly. They're down, and then they've somehow in the fourth quarter, the last few weeks, they've been scoring some points. I think that trend kind of continues with them. Jacksonville, they tend to crap all over themselves, yet they've started strong over the past few weeks. And I think that Jacksonville could start strong again here in Pittsburgh. Metrically, I have Jacksonville minus four. But I trust them more in the first half here. Jaguars rank 17th in offensive EPA in climbing. 7th on defense. Steelers. 28th in offensive EPA. They've been kind of winning based upon their defense over the past few weeks. But a lot of that was turnover-based. Can they get those turnovers, right? I mean, that's the big thing. Otherwise, their defense isn't the best, but it's still above average, ranking eighth in defensive EPA. Obviously, they need to score some points, in my opinion, because I think that Jacksonville will get theirs. And Jacksonville is just one of those teams that started off not healthy on their offensive line, and they're figuring it out. We've seen teams in the past start out injured from their offensive line, and then they get better. Another consideration for the Jaguars is they're also coming out from a uh, Thursday night football game. So, you know, they get a little bump for that as well. But I like the first half, and I like them on the money line. At point spent, you can get it at minus 125. I gave it out at minus 120. And there's going to be a link in our podcast description if you'd like to get that line. 
and make that play. We're going to do Jacksonville first half. Moneyline, minus 125 for 1.5 stars. When we call to see the teddy bear here to play if you don't Some scary shit right there. Terrified of children, ghosts. All right. Next game, we have the Minnesota Vikings against the Green Bay Packers. And the Packers are plus one. The total is 43. I have a premium play on this. The Packers have been maybe the worst first half team in the land. But guess what? Now everybody's going to jump on it. This is the one that's been made public, right? Nobody's talking about the Steelers in the first half nearly as much as the Packers. And then watch. Packers hear about it. They get their heads out of their ass and start in the first half. You know what's funny about the Packers is um, their spot is just great for them. Coming off those losses, a bye than a loss. I mean, LaFleur has to be just absolutely in their face. And you have to expect Jordan Love to just play a little bit out of his mind here. While the Vikings on a short week are fat and happy. After beating San Francisco, where San Francisco just looked lost on defense. You know, I mean, I think a lot of teams could have beat San Francisco that last game. They're also giving up a lot of pass catches underneath. So, a lot of things work well for the Vikings, including Jordan Addison last week. But a little bit different against the Packers. The Packers have some great uh, cornerbacks. They have some great safeties. I know one is out. Don't get me wrong. I do know that they just put uh, Darnell Savage. Well, he's not out multiple games, but he's probably going to be put on injured reserve. It says multiple games with a calf injury. That worries me a little bit, but I expect Jari Alexander to play. I expect Devondre Campbell to play. And I think this is just a big get-it-right game for Green Bay. Well, here, I mean, here I'm saying it. Obviously, I'm playing the Packers here. Their weakness has been against the run, allowing 4.5 yards per attempt. But Minnesota's not the greatest at running the ball. Madison, you know, decent running back, just 3.9 rushing yards per attempt. While the Minnesota only 74.9 rushing yards per game. So they're going to rely on the pass, and that's kind of where the Packers could possibly get to you. Yeah, I just expect Jordan Love to have a little bit better of a game. Take Green Bay plus one for two stars. <laughs> the next game, you have the Eagles versus the Commanders. The Commanders are plus six and a half, minus 105 in some books. Total 43.5. A couple things in this game. I do have a play on it, and I won't be giving it out. But the Commanders have been just up and down throughout the season. Sometimes Howell looks good. Sometimes he doesn't. Terrible performance at New York last week. Wow, the Eagles, it's first and eight on every single time they get a first down, being that they're going to get the tush push or the brotherly, brotherly shove, whatever you want to call it, every single time. One thing I like about the commanders is they got better on the defensive line, but they do, they are probably missing Barton, their linebacker right there. One problem with the Eagles is Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's completely healthy. 
and you're starting to get some more reports that he's just been playing a little bit injured. That's interesting as well. Moving on to the next game, the Jets versus the Giants. I don't need to talk too long on this one because this is going to be part of our teaser that is six and one that we're going to be giving out at the end of this segment. But what I will say is that the Jets have a fantastic defense and Brees Hall has been quite fantastic himself on his legs. But if the Giants have any brains whatsoever, they make Zach Wilson beat him. And Zach Wilson has been getting the getting rid of the ball very well. But don't play too high shell. Do not play too high shell. I would even play man against Zach Wilson, you know, in this situation. I don't think he's all that accurate. He's decent at timing routes where that could possibly beat some man coverage. But I think you move your safeties up. Move your safeties up a little bit because Zach Wilson's just getting the ball out of his hands quickly now. Much more than when he started. You know, do the Jets blow anybody out? Probably not. But this is also like a neutral game, really, for uh, these teams. I'm also fine with Daniel Jones coming back, being that he has something to prove finally. And uh, the way Saquon Barkley's been playing looks pretty good as well. Texans versus Panthers. Now the big thing for the Panthers are coming off the bye, but so are the Texans. But I guess the bigger thing is the coach. Frank Reich gave up play-calling duties, and Thomas Brown, their new offensive coordinator that came from the Rams, he's been there since 2020, learned from McVay, will now have some play-calling duties. They use a lot of misdirection. A little bit slower of play, but methodical running down the field. I mean, this is a big change for him, yet you still have a young quarterback. In Bryce Young, he certainly tried to prove something. You know, he's been a disappointment. He's probably taking that personally. How could you not, right, in this situation? Now, Carolina has been terrible against the spread. One of the worst teams, ATS, 0-5-1 against the spread, while Houston, 4-2. But what's going to give? Houston road chalk? Finally laying road chalk. C.J. Stroud's got to live up to that a little bit. A different, it's a change for them. No dog mentality coming in as the favorite. To be honest with you, I think the Carolina Panthers are a wonderful teaser leg here with a low total. And I also think that Houston probably wins this game. <laughs> kind of licking on both sides of it a little bit. But the spread's not too far from where it should be. Next game, we have the Atlanta Falcons against the Tennessee Titans. And I missed out on this one. Uh, Atlanta was a sharp play early in the week, all the way up to minus three now against the Titans. The Titans have no quarterback because they have two quarterbacks playing this game in Malik Willis and Will Levis. Looks like Tan Hill's out, probably laughing on the sidelines. Then they trade their best uh, secondary in uh, Bird or Bayard, I should say, Kevin Bayard. And, I mean, it kind of shows that they're giving up a little bit, throwing up their hands. And it's hard to figure out what's going to happen. Sometimes the team actually rallies to say, well, I'm a pretty good player too. Let's trade me or I'm playing for next year. 
or sometimes it has the other effect where they give up. So I'm a little concerned about this whole thing. The Titans are in a great spot coming off a bye, coming off a loss, coming off a bye. Atlanta fat and happy with a win. I mean, the Titans are going to be a teaser leg this week, but I can't trust the confidence level that I have in this game, being that you have no quarterback playing for the Titans. Next game, the Browns versus the Seahawks. Seahawks now up to minus 3.5. The total is 39.5. It's getting a little high here for such a great defense in the Browns. I have the Browns as the best defense right now in the league. Geno Smith. Oh, man. Gino, Gino, Gino. I, 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 I'm still concerned with him. I mean, he's been great. He's a starting quarterback. I've been, I was wrong about him last year. Shout out to Kevin for uh, pointing that out to me. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's a few things about Gino that certainly worry me a little bit. For one, we don't know if DK Metcalf's playing. Could cause him to hold the ball a little bit and second guess a few things. Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Could be a good pickup if you're looking at fantasy here. But from a numbers perspective, even without Deshaun Watson, this could be like an Iowa football game of field position. And uh, the Seahawks struggling to cover three and a half points. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think they're fine to win by three as well. They did not deserve to win last week against the Colts. And I, me and many other people have voiced our displeasure in that even though it didn't affect me because I had the Colts teased and they covered anyway. But still, it's a situation where you have a terrible quarterback, a terrible offense because of that quarterback, and it's just an amazing defense. You know? Three and a half points. It's hard to cover with such a good defense. You don't know what's going to happen. Gino, do not throw some interceptions. Can I trust you? I mean, he's not bad. He's only like 10th in interception rate for the number of passes. But I think 3.5 is probably a really good spread here. And I could just see how either team could jump them or not. I think it's a great live betting situation. If the, if the game is close, Cleveland's probably the look. If the Seahawks jump Cleveland, I don't see how Cleveland gets back in this game. And maybe you lay minus 5, minus 6 with Cleveland if they jump them 7 to nothing or something like that. So that's probably the best way to approach this game. Next game, we have the Kansas City Swifties against the Denver Broncos. And the spread seven and a half. The total is 46. If you remember this last game, Denver covered. And here we are, Denver as a home dog again. I mean, Denver's not a good team. But for some reason, they really stepped up last time against the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, I think they did cover by a half point at home. But what I will say is this team kind of figured a few things out on defense. They held the Chiefs to 19 points. They lost 8-19. to 19, And they held the Packers to 17 points the last two games. And that was after a massively terrible start. So what are you going to believe here? Are you going to believe the recent stats? Both the Swifties and the Broncos are very healthy coming into this game. My numbers, including the whole spectrum of games obviously has to the Chiefs winning by double digits but I'm a little worried that a coach that I always liked Sean Payton has turned this defense around and if there is a flat spot it is here most likely for the Chiefs 
I have no play in this game. I don't feel comfortable about anything in this game, and I do not want to fade the Swifties in this situation. Next game, the Ravens versus the Cardinals. Ravens are road chalk at minus eight. The total is 44. The Ravens offense is really humming right now, yet they are just a team that could fall flat on their face after such a big win against Detroit. The Cardinals are in a good spot. Dobbs probably might be his last game, I will say. I think he's going to play over Murray. I don't think Murray's coming back until next week. But I'm going to pass this game just because I think there's a lot of variance that can happen in this situation. I think the Cardinals are fighting with their backs against the wall a little bit. I think that the Ravens could be a little fat and happy. My numbers here have the Ravens by double digits. But as you know, it's very hard to lay double digits in this league. And I would still lean the Baltimore Ravens in this situation. Kind of close the door on Josh Dobbs here and uh, this horrible secondary with Arizona. You have to understand that they also lost Zach Ertz this week as well. Baltimore's defense has gotten just healthier and extremely aggressive. So strong lean to Baltimore, I will say, just based upon my numbers. And when I say numbers, I mean my algorithm, and I also mean my power rating. My power rating has this at 10. The algorithm has it like minus 13. So this could be a play for me later. But Baltimore is probably a good teaser leg, yet... Your road, you're playing road if you want to play a survivor play against the, uh, on the Ravens as well, which hasn't worked out so well in the past. So, you know how the NFL is. We're going to lean Baltimore no matter what at the eight, and I'll think about this a little bit more if I have another potential play on this one. The Bengals versus the 49ers. Niners looking terrible last week. Uh, a lot of pressure on Steve Wilkes, their defensive coordinator, after they lost D'Amico Ryans, it's kind of was an, a downgrade, in my opinion, to hire Wilkes. And obviously, it was Robert Sala before D'Amico Ryans. And they're just giving up a lot of yards. They're a little bit banged up, too. The Niners coming off a short week, laying choke against a team like the Bengals that's coming off the bye. I mean, I still have the Niners as my best team, but it's a lot closer now. To, this, to Kansas City, I, I just have a lot of problem going against Joe Burrow after the bye here. And, I mean, as good as Brock Purdy's been, I don't trust my numbers on Cincinnati. I don't trust my algorithm numbers. I just think they're a team that starts slow and just gets better throughout the regular season. In saying that, I still power rating have... The, the San Francisco 49ers minus 6.25. This is a game that I'm probably going to stay away from. Maybe use San Fran in a little bit of a money line parlay if you're feeling good about them after a two-loss spot. But, man, Joe Burrow, I have a ton of respect for that quarterback, and it would not shock me if they watch some tape on how to beat this Niners defense and get it together this week. I believe Bose has been tweeting about his displeasure as well which is a weird situation. Next game, the Chicago Bears against the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers are minus 8.5. The total is 46.5. I mean, I bet against the Bears a lot. 
people can't call me a homer for this, but to be honest with you, I like the Bears in this situation. Now the Chargers coming off a loss, the Bears come off a win. You would think this is more of a Charger spot, but seriously, eight and a half points. The Bears are playing with house money right now, and Tyson Badgett is a quarterback that can check down. Yes, his average depth of target was very low. He wasn't asked to do a ton last week, but the kid's a winner, and he's playing a Chargers defense that gives up the most passing yards in the league. There is no metric, or it have to be an extremely wrong metric. If you have the Chargers favored by past seven in this situation where they don't even have a real home field advantage. The Chargers give up 8.1 passing yards per attempt, 310. The Bears haven't passed the, the ball well, but now you have a kid that's, like I said, playing with house money. The Bears are a great running team, 4.8 yards per rush. The Chargers give up 3.9, which isn't terrible, but it's a little bit around the average, maybe a little bit below average. I, I, The Bears, here's the thing. This is like maybe a little bit like Denver where they got better. Maybe even a little bit more like Jacksonville starting out with offensive line issues. The Bears had no offensive line weeks one, two, and three. They've got a few guys back. There's a guy coming off IR and Jones, Braxton Jones. And their secondary was completely banged up the first three weeks. And now they have most of their secondary back. You saw that pick six happen last week, didn't you? You know, that, that's that's the key. Now, are they are still a great secondary? No. But Eddie Jackson's back. Jaquan Brister's there at safety. Jalen Johnson with the pick six is back last week. And you have Kyler Gordon now back at the other corner. Maybe that's enough to mess up the Chargers who has maybe one of the worst game flow coaches in the entire league. From a yards per play perspective, the Bears are only at minus 0.1. Minus 0.1. The Chargers are minus 0.7 laying almost double digit points. This should not be scary for you. This is my best bet. The Bears plus 8.5 for three stars. Oh! 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 All right. Finally, we get to our last game. The Las Vegas Raiders at the Detroit Lions. The total is 46. Lions are favored by 8.5 points. Lions coming off an ugly loss against the Ravens. The Raiders are coming off an ugly loss themselves. But seriously, which quarterback are you going to trust in this situation? Jerry Goff? Or who knows? Jimmy G, Aiden O'Connell, or Brian Hoyer, the destroyer? I mean, any one of these. I guess if Jimmy G's playing, you move this to six and a half or six. With Aiden O'Connell, I think it's seven, seven and a half. And with Hoyer, I think it's eight and a half or nine. You know, I, I there's no way that I think the Raiders should be less than a three-point favorite here. But they also have their backs against the wall. Lions are in a massive get-up spot. If you have the Lions left, this is going to be a big survivor play on Monday Night Football. But I just don't see where 
the Raiders have any advantages in this game. The Lions are ninth in offensive EPA, 15th on defense. The Raiders are 23rd in offensive EPA and 27th on defense. Vegas, even with a great running back like Jacobs, is one of the last in rush EPA as well as rushing yards per attempt at three. While Detroit does a great job against the rush, 3.7 opponents allow, or rushing yards allowed. On the pass, 7.1 passing yards per attempt. They got Jameson Williams back, Amon Ryan St. Brown's back, and the Raiders give up a decent amount of passing yards, 187.4. But what's worse for the Raiders, there's a rushing yards per attempt. They give up 4.4. The Bears ran all over them last week, as you remember. And the Lions, 4.1 rushing yards per attempt, might be getting Montgomery back. I mean, the Lions are going to win this game. I just don't know who's playing quarterback for the Raiders. That's the biggest question for me. And if it's Jimmy G, I, I'm going to lean via spread just based on the fact that they can get back in this game a little bit. But if without Jimmy G, I don't think they get back in this game at all. All right, my friends, to recap, we are taking the Jags first half for 1.5 stars at points bet in our podcast description. We're going to take the Packers plus one for two stars and the Bears plus 8.5 for three stars. Now it's time for our refuse to lose teaser. That is six in one so far for the NFL season. All right. Like I said, we're going with the Giants all the way to plus nine. I just don't see the Jets getting margin against anybody. Uh, could be one of those games where Zach Wilson got a little too comfortable. I know he has some really big studs at receiver, but the Giants' defense has been pretty good over the past two weeks. Should be Buffalo. Obviously beat the Patriots, so they're trying to save face themselves and win a few more games. I like the Giants to plus nine uh, or eight and a half. Depends on what book you're looking at. And I like the Lions down to two. Big spot for the Lions. Embarrassing loss against the Ravens. I think they get it right against a quarterbackless Ravens team. Uh, or sorry, quarterbackless Raiders team. And I don't care which quarterback's playing. This is going to be uh, a situation where Detroit must get up. And even though the Raiders must get up, there is a lot of dysfunction with this team. And the coaching advantage certainly goes to uh, the, the Detroit Lions. So take it plus nine Giants and minus two for the Lions. <laughs> this segment was brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day? Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food source ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash oddsbreakers or click on our podcast episode description. Now, let's get into our wonderful guest and some college football with Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. Now, I'm happy to welcome back one of the most well-known and respected sports bettors in college football and Mr. Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. You can follow Brad on Twitter at bradpower7. Brad, when we last had you on at the end of June, it was getting warm outside. Well, now it's getting cold, my man. How are you doing this fine pre-Halloween 
week. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, being from the Midwest, I wouldn't consider it to be cold yet, although the mornings have gotten a little chillier here in Vegas. But uh, I love this time of year. It's my favorite month for so many reasons. Uh, and uh, we're just grinding away. Obviously, we're in week nine. Where is the season gone? Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, just another day, another dollar hopefully earned. So uh, we're managing. But uh, <laughs> good to see you. I know it's Halloween. You always have me on the Halloween show. And I always wonder. I was like, I don't know. It is. Uh, why does he always have me on the Halloween show? Is it because you know I, I I'm the ugliest creature in sports betting oh, or what? God. Stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. No, it's just that you're <laughs> you're, you're the man, and I like having uh, big names on my uh, Halloween shows. I guess it's fun, uh, and uh, you you did a good job. Um, not no reason. Uh, I, I like continuity. I guess uh, no. You are certainly your bets are certainly not the scariest, and uh, that's uh, don't think of it like that and. It's just a fun time of year for me. You know, it's funny. I didn't like the holidays as much when I was younger. Uh, I guess more teenage, you know. And then, then I get married and have kids, and I kind of like it again. I'm I'm totally into it, yeah. de- decorating and stuff. So I'm having a good time with Halloween. I, I thought I thought you said this was your favorite holiday, didn't you say that? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's by far my favorite holiday. Yeah, no question. Yeah, uh, been that way since I was a kid. Always liked Halloween for some odd reason. Yeah, well, there you go. That's it's because I could put a mask on the, this ugly mug of mine oh, and cover God. it up. No, I just I I don't know. I like scaring people. I don't know. I always like the Halloween type movies, the the slasher films and whatnot. I it's just a, I love the smell of like Halloween, especially back you know in the Midwest. I don't know the leaves and stuff. There's just a certain smells like football. Obviously, I love football. I I don't know. It's just the perfect month. It's my birthday month too, and I'm not a big birthday guy. It's just. Everything says October for me just lines up. Uh, I'm not an astrology guy, but everything lines up for this month. That's it's by far. It's not even close to my favorite month of the year. That's true, and that's and that's another reason why I love having you back. You know, it's uh, the ambiance, like you said. Uh, I'm from the Midwest too. It is not cold for me, but I guess when I say that, I'm speaking for the whole nation and whoever else is listening around the world. But uh, yeah, it's uh, a fun month, and here we are, and we have some big games, and weather is changing, yep. not necessarily this week. But people should definitely look out for that as well. But, um, you know, before we get into, like, you know, obviously the picks and everything, I always like to have some content because we're a content show first and a pick show second. But I want to ask you about the market a little bit, uh, like getting into what you've always done. And things have happened. We've discussed it before about how books are getting lines out quicker. But I'm curious from, like, right now, you're a man that likes to hit the earliest lines out there released by the books that originate the numbers originate their own numbers anyway until guys like you in the market massage them um has anything changed over the past year uh have you noticed uh when these numbers come out maybe book more books or how these markets are established that's a good question yeah it has certainly changed uh specifically probably this year more than any year in recent memory uh number one the results haven't been great for me personally even though i'm getting more my portfolio at least on paper looks good i'm getting more clv than ever before but for some odd reason this year, it's just not working out, betting heavy volumes. So we'll see if it turns the last four or five weeks of the regular season. If now we're going to have to make some massive adjustments uh, heading into next year. Uh, some of the changes, uh, just market-wide, not even me specific, is, you know, Circa's the opener here as far as every side in total uh, every week in college football. Uh, difference for them is they're just not Las Vegas. They're opening up these games in multiple states all at once. So there is a much more competitive market betting openers. I'm guessing there's dozens, if not hundreds, more people betting into these 
on Sunday mornings than what there was a couple of years ago. So, I mean, you got to get down uh, as quickly as possible. I try to make about 50 bets in 15 minutes. And even then, I'm not even getting to half the stuff that I want to get to. It's gone. Uh, off of uh, off of one or two bets it's just gone i'm just not getting there in time so that's a difference the other difference is other books are trying to beat circuit of the punch uh, especially this time of year May- maybe not the first few weeks of the season but now FanDuel and the DraftKings of the world uh they are releasing a lot of games a couple hours before circa on a sunday morning so it doesn't matter if it's the mac midweek mac games or conference usa games or the big games uh they're getting aggressive with some of their releases unfortunately uh, there's no FanDuel or, or DraftKings uh, here in the state of Nevada, so it requires me to, you know, make get on the phone <laughs> and say, "Hey, uh, can you help me out here? Let's get down this numbers off." So uh, that's a little bit different than years past. But I would just, I would say overall, much more competitive market, um, and just you know, besides the openers, market entry and market influence would be my two biggest things. Not only by me, but my peers as well. There's a lot more different groups in this market. They are entering the market at different times than ever before. A lot of people, I mean, nobody's waiting for anybody anymore. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. There's a group out of Chicago that's betting totals during Monday Night Football. They're hitting like 15 totals a week. Uh, You never saw the totals market really move until Tuesdays. No, that's done now. Oh, (laughs) God, yeah. They're moving on weather totals on Monday. Nobody's waiting for any of that. So it's a much more competitive market. I don't know. I mean, what would, it change? It seems like it changes yearly. I don't know. I mean, every time I hear about some amazing up and coming group, they're, they're here today, gone tomorrow. So, I mean, who knows if they're even in the market next year? That's true. And you know, it's obviously, FanDuel now is beating DraftKings. I use both, and it is important to get those lines early. Uh, I can't believe how FanDuel I get up on Sunday mornings when I'm doing my power ratings. I'm trying to hurry because FanDuel's got numbers up. I'm like, geez. Trying to get through yeah. this, you know, and it's they got uh, next week's Mac games up already. <laughs> I noticed last night. You got to give them credit for that, you know. That's what we like. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. But um, once in a while, I better look ahead in the NFL. I just the only time I've done it in college is games of the year, and you know, just future lines. Now they had lines up in a ton of games. It's just a lot. To, it's a lot to keep track of. But I like it, you know. And I think uh, it's moving. It, it's bringing in business because guys like you myself and other people try to preach you got to get in early and get get out early too you know there's a lot of different ways to make money in sports betting and obviously how's your head your bets and you know it's the days of uh membership more than you know getting the lines when you do if you don't move it that much you know you want to send it out as quick as possible and i think a lot of the sharper people are doing that brad um no question. Uh, you know, the, the issue for some people that want to get down a hell of a lot is the market's getting shaped a lot earlier in the week. Uh, so I'm also not, not only am I betting more, uh, more gains, but, you know, I'm also starting to scale up a little bit as far as the, the overall amount bet. So, uh, you know, you can only get so much down uh, on an opener compared to, you know, you're waiting till later in the week on a Thursday when the limits start opening up. So there's always that balance. You got to, you know, ask yourself, but man, I got to tell you, uh, I'm, I'm still in the thought process. Just get the best number that you can. And, you know, Circus still has decent limits on the opener. So uh, I'm still just get the best absolute number. When you feel comfortable to make a bet, you make that bet. Don't listen to anybody else <laughs> about market entry, when, when you should bet, when you should not bet. Do You do you. If no, Are they paying your bills? No? Okay. Then, then uh, you know, you do you and you make your bets when you feel uh, accordingly. All right. Well, there. I agree. I 100% agreement there. You get in 
take care of yourself first then worry about everything else later 100 let's uh i'm gonna ask you real quick about bowl season that's not here but a month and a half we're starting to get into bowl season i'm starting to think you know with all the noise go out caleb williams should stop right now and all that it makes me think there's gonna even be more people holding out during bowl season um Brad, uh, what's your opinion on that? I would say yes, uh, and it could be very interesting uh, in a different way we're handicapping or maybe more the same way we're handicapping, I guess, for guys that get ahead of it coming into December. Yeah, I think more and more. I mean, until they start literally paying people to pay to play in bowl games. Like, you want to play? You're a star player. Here, here's an extra couple hundred grand to play in the bowl game, which I think they probably should be doing at this point. Uh, you're going to see more and more people to sit out. So how do you guess? Well, it's easy. Just look at the draft boards. I mean, and I, I don't even talk about the first round guys, the top 20 or 30 guys. I'd, I'd, I'd look at anybody in the first that's projected to go in the first three rounds. Yeah. I just, I would assume the, the absolute, uh, you know, negative. Uh, just, ah, ah, he's not going to play. He's not going to play. He's not going to play. So, I mean, you just pick that. And then, then you go from there. Right? And then, I mean, obviously your lower level teams, are they excited to be in a bowl game? Or are they not? Where are they going? Are they going to El Paso? Nothing against El Paso, but it's different than Miami, uh, at least in, in the thought process of a lot of people's minds. So uh, it comes down to motivation. And I have told people, hey, it's tough to quantify motivation. Now you can quantify it. If you're not motivated to play in a bowl game, you just don't play. You sit out the bowl game. So, yeah, uh, yeah I actually think this is the one area where, man, if you can get out in front of it, bowl games, if you can get guess accordingly, is easier to beat than ever before. Because you play be playing with half a team, I I think so too, and we're going to get on top of that nice and early, and that's another reason why you know people when it comes to staleness, you know, I, you you get ahead of it early, and then a lot of times things get announced right before the game happens too. So it really is going to change these markets. So be very careful and make sure you're following the right people. And I also think, like you said, getting paid maybe the NIL deals should be tied to a number of games. I mean. It, Caleb Williams got yeah. a what do you make five million? I it's some sort of big number, and if I'm paying him money, I'm saying you have to play or at least be in. Now, of course, he can fake an injury, and that just gets even more yeah. more into the weeds. But um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm signing an deal to say I want you, my doctor, giving you a physical, following you around a little bit if you're going to be playing that card because uh, my NIL deals t- is going to be tiered to you playing on a January first bowl or. Yeah, late late Christmas week bowl. There's got plenty of guys watching it then as well. So that'd be my thoughts. Uh, but it's going to get there, Brad. I, I just think it's not there yet. Uh, and I think maybe the 12 team playoff hopefully will maybe fix some of that when it comes next year as well. Uh, being in the Halloween spirit, I'm going to ask you about, and I've been asking this every week. I think it's a great question. Give me an undervalued team that might give us a good trick or treat for the upcoming weeks it, it, it could be a line you like this week it, whatever you think but like i gave out arizona about a month ago uh give me yeah, that's a good pick yeah of course i didn't bet on them though like an idiot i i <laughs> i finally did when the lions came out this week but i i gave it out and I, i'm not even gonna go there but uh give us one that could be good and it could be uh you know one that's a little undervalued yeah Undervalued, a uh, little uh, treat team. I Not necessarily I think there's a tremendous amount of value at the current number this week, but I think it's a team that, that might be a play on team down the stretch. It's San Jose State, a team that played a very difficult schedule to start the season. We're talking at USC, 
at Oregon State. Uh, you know, they played the top-level teams as far as the Mountain West. The Boise State's the Air Force of the world. They're at Toledo. Toledo's probably going to win the MAC, or at least one of the better group of five teams out there in the country. So they started one and five. As you've seen them the last couple weeks play down in class, they have dominated their Mountain West opponents uh, the last couple of weeks. Utah State, New Mexico. Uh, they got Hawaii this week. I think they they, they get a, a comfortable win this week against Hawaii. This is a team with a very good quarterback in Cordero, one of the better players in the Mountain West. Uh, I think it's a team that's going to be fighting for bowl eligibility, which is saying something considering they started the season one and five. Wow, there you go. That's that's awesome. I, I'm kind of looking towards the total in that game, maybe towards the over. Uh, I think they were, they were putting up some points, and they're really starting to figure it out. They shocked me last week. They beat me. I was on Utah State last week, one of my few losses. and uh, A lot of people were. Yeah, yeah, you know, good number and everything. And, you know, I was wondering myself, is this more about Utah State or them? And they started out great against Boise State. They let Boise back in very strangely but uh you know they got a very powerful offense and that one that needs to be certainly considered so total agreement with that one um for me gosh yeah you know i do this every week and i always have to find a different one yeah i mean i'm gonna go with just nc state and here's the thing i like durin and, and now that they had their bye they have the quarterback that should be able to fix this a little bit and he should be a little bit fixed um i'm not saying that you know he, they're necessarily going to be a a, a a massive ats team maybe they will i, I kind of like them this week but i think they're going to be a little undervalued he might be able to catch some lines on them you know coming through the next month or so uh, i think that they are trying to make a bowl game too and i'm gonna go with nc state brad I'm in a holding pattern. Ask me after this. I've got to see him this week against the Clemson okay. program that's teetering right now. So that's a, a game a little bit off the beaten path that's going to tell us a lot down the stretch about both teams because they both need a win or they both need to, to show a good performance this week. And NC State typically has been very tough out uh, when they're playing at home. So we'll see. MJ Morris at quarterback. They made the switch. Uh, mixed results so far. Need him to clean up the turnovers. Defense I do like. They've been consistently good. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, ask me. I got to see him against Clemson this week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks for the honesty there. Let's talk about a team now that's too scary to bet on this Halloween season, and that might be a good fade for the upcoming few weeks. I'm going to give you two because the one team that immediately came to mind doesn't play this week, uh, San Diego State. I think that was a program-altering loss last week. To Nevada, double-digit favorite, you got beat six to nothing at home yeah. against Nevada team that was winless on the season. You look at the rest of their schedule. I could paint a picture where San Diego State doesn't win another game. Brady Hoke's fired. So uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I I don't like what I see from them. Uh, the, the defense has regressed. They made a change at offensive play caller. Hasn't worked out for them. Um, and you look at the rest of their schedule. It's pretty difficult. I think Utah State beats them. That'll be a game. You're going to have to beat me to the punch when they open up those lines next Sunday morning. I, I like Utah State there at San Diego State. Uh, so we'll see on that one. But they don't play this week. So if you want to take advantage of a team, I don't know if it's the greatest spot to fade them this week, but I'm telling you I'm going to be lining up to play against this team because they have been so fortunate. And it's the BYU Cougars who this week are facing their third straight backup quarterback. So uh, they're playing Texas this week. I kind of still lean towards Texas. I don't think the drop-off, I think Texas really rallies here. BYU uh, probably shouldn't have beaten Cincinnati if you looked at the box score. 
They weren't that impressive. Again, a backup quarterback against TCU to get blown out. Backup quarterback against Texas Tech last week. They were plus five in turnovers BYU. Lost the box score again. Uh, this is a team that I sitting here at five wins. Uh, could They could be waiting a while to get the ball eligibility. I, I, I like uh, to fade BYU here down the stretch. I love fame BYU here, and I was on them last week against the backup quarterbacks in a night game in Provo, which is <clears throat> a place where they only excel. <clears throat> and I agree. <clears throat> I have Texas as a maybe right now, and I don't care which quarterback's playing for Texas. I almost think it's a, a, a way they can kind of recharge themselves after a really ugly game against Houston. So I, they're one of my maybes so far on my card coming up to this week. But unfortunately, BYU is the one that I was going to say. So now I'm going to have to go to somewhere else. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I think it's great. It's, we align on that. But I'm going to say Coastal Carolina. You know, I know they're a dog this week, and it's because Grayson McCall is banged up. But, man, that hit that yep. he took was really scary. And he's not – his ankle's not good. A little concussion action. I don't see him playing this week against Marshall, but even with that, this has been a total disaster for Coastal Carolina. They have absolutely no defense. I saw Georgia State whip them up. Um, I think they finally got that big program win that they needed uh, just recently. So uh, I don't like Coastal going forward uh, with the new coach, and uh, I I'm more in the fade zone up, uh, over the next few weeks and even at Old Dominion on November 4th, Brad. Uh, yeah, you know what's scary? That hire they made, Tim Beck. What a, what a downgrade from uh, Jamie Chadwell. To Tim Beck, I uh, could show you what, what happened. A program like that can change overnight to, to the bad or the good. Uh, in this case, it'll be to the bad, especially after McCall finally <laughs> exhausts his eligibility at the end of this season. They did get a couple recent wins. I thought the buy sign might have started going on, but then you know what happens every year? Grayson McCall gets hurt, unfortunately. So, yeah, I certainly I don't see him winning this week. I, I got Marshall in pocket. Uh, I'm not sure it's gonna be close, even to be honest with you. Yeah, Marshall's in a good spot after that loss. So I think I, I'm kind of like a Marshall uh, in this spot. And, and you know, nine to twenty against a great James Madison team. Not a terrible, not a terrible score in my no. opinion. I think James Madison is uh, the most scariest team. If you want to talk scary, if you're a power five, well, you know what's scary is they're not eligible for anything. Yeah, you know, this could be a twelve and zero team and not not play for anything. I do a good, the bad, and the ugly, and that was my ugly that they're not in that situation um it's bs and yeah <clears throat> and they also they're also a reason why i made a bet on this division and we'll get into that a little bit later uh in this show respect going to a certain game but uh no that's great uh i think it's always great to talk about teams that are a little undervalued and overvalued but let's talk about some big games coming up this weekend brad uh we pick three apiece and then we'll do a little random at the end if uh we need to with our best bets as well I'm going to start with one of the games you picked, USC versus Cal. I see 10.5s here on our Betfred Sports odds screen with a total of about 67.5, pretty big total. Uh, what you got going on for this one, bud? Yeah, I actually lean towards the Cal side. Uh, you know, a multitude of reasons. Uh, number one, you know, Cal got a nice little reset by uh, at this point in the season. USC, meanwhile, playing six straight week. Uh, and after two physical games against Notre Dame and uh, Utah, Wondering how much is left in the gas tank. Apparently not much uh, as far as Lincoln Riley. He can't make practice. He's sick. It'll be interesting to see if he's going to even be there on Saturday. I'm hearing whispers that he might not be able to make this week's game. So then you got to ask who's the play caller because he does call the offensive plays. Um, maybe it's uh, a Cliff Kingsbury that, that, that they can promote from analyst role to, to call plays. But I'm not buying it. Uh, and I think 
a lot of these Pac-12 teams are smelling blood now down the stretch. And keep in mind, this is it. The, the, the final hurrah here. Last time Cal's going to be probably hosting USC for quite some time. So they should be pretty fired up here coming off a of bye. I like Cal, even though the market says I'm an idiot and they're betting USC. It's a plus 11 here, too. And whenever a team has a second loss like this, knocking them out of championship contention, it affects these kids, you know. And you, they, it could go two ways. It could They could still come, come back and show them who they are, they're thinking they're playing for – bigger thing look at so, those tabs my goodness my man every, 25 tabs love that it was it was like six. i thought i was the only one that had that it, and i'll tell you what some of them tabs look very similar to mine to be honest with you so i like that <laughs> thank you brad but you know another thing it was about it was at 60 before and i have about 40 on this screen the other one i, I that's the way i roll and i had to take it down because i want my computer crashing during the show but i do appreciate you giving me a shout out yeah a lot of the same tabs and uh i think we you know go to a lot of the same great places and that's important so thank you uh i i I don't know how people don't handicap with a lot of tabs personally and uh and i and i and i appreciate you noticing that but yeah it's uh it's it's hard but you know what i know exactly where to go when i'm going it's i'm used to it and i have them in a certain order that i like when i bring them all up so that's the way we roll but um no i lean to i lean to cal as well uh hard to see what you're going to get from usc coming up this week and you know they're Let's face it, their schedule is very easy until they face Notre Dame. Um, Cal's defense is bad, though. It ranks the 222nd in defensive success rate, 116th in opponent yards per pass. I mean, that worries you against a Caleb Williams-led team. But, you know, Cal has had some spirited performances against Oregon State, uh, against Auburn, against ASU is really close. Uh, I I call those spirited performances in our Halloween week coming in. And... uh, Maybe the spirits are on our side here. I, I I unfortunately have USC by 12 via the numbers, but, man, I can see some public money driving this up a little bit, and I'm going to wait this out, see what happens. Maybe we can get on it late. So totally agree. I'm totally agreement here. I think if Lincoln Riley's out, it's clo- likely to close 10 or less. All right, so maybe maybe that. How sick is he? Is it COVID? I mean, what could take him yeah, out? Yeah, I'm hearing whispers is COVID. Uh, you know, with what's going on, if you follow Lincoln Riley, doesn't handle uh, outside pressures, uh, can, you know, tremendously well, you got to start. He's, this is a guy that was talking retirement this summer. He's talking about retiring early and not wanting to be, you know, coaching when he's 60 and whatnot. Not saying he's going to retire now, but, uh, for you to even consider that as saying something at this point, he's 40 years old. So, uh, I don't know. I, he has been, I watched a lot of his press conferences. Uh, he has been under the weather the last couple of weeks. So maybe it, Maybe there is something where, or maybe the pressure's getting to him because this is a this season's a failure, and it could get. You want to talk about scary? Look at who they play coming down the stretch. They still got Washington. They still got Oregon. They still got UCLA. This could turn easily into a four or five loss season, which be, I mean, an utter failure. Well, you know, it's funny. Retirement doesn't mean he's not going to get into broadcasting, uh, or obviously get into being the analyst on the Foxes, the which would be Big Ten, right? Um, you know, CBS, ESPNs, you know, you know, stations like that. And he'll get over a million a year there, you know, that just because of his name. And, you know, if you yep. start, if you do really, if you have a bad finish, you know, you're not going to be as high in demand, you know, and I think, you know, that's what you might want to do. Does he make the jump to the NFL? Cause I mean, yeah, that would be my biggest concern right now. Cause I don't know if the star is going to be that bright after this season and definitely not after next season. If you look at their schedule, they play LSU, they play Notre Dame, they jump to the big 10. They're playing Michigan. They're playing Washington, Oregon, you know, Ohio state. 
I mean, it could be with no Caleb Williams could be a six and six team next year. Oh God, that's just disastrous. Yeah, Tampa Bay maybe fix Baker Mayfield or something, right? It's a couple teams that would be an interesting situation for him. But I just say, you know, get a real defense coordinator for once and start focusing on that, my man. But yeah, great, totally, totally interesting spot for for USC here. It's only fade in my opinion. Uh, Great stuff. Let's move on to the next game. I picked this one, Georgia State versus Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is about a one-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 64. Um, this is a much bigger game than people think uh, yep. because it's really going to determine, I think, the Sun Belt East uh, unless something crazy happens. But Georgia Southern has an easy finish after this because they avoid James Madison, they avoid South Alabama, and Troy. You know, Those are the three teams that are the best in the Sun Belt. But unfortunately, James Madison, as you said, can't do it. They can't make the championship. And South Alabama and Troy are in the same West Division. So yep. it's Georgia State. And that's why I did take them 12-1 to 1 because of James Madison to win just that side of the division, not even the whole Sun Belt. So I'm, I got something riding on this already in a way. But um, I guess App State, they're 1-2 right now. I mean, they could creep up. I just don't think App State's really that good this year. The big question for this game is if Georgia State can stop the pass. Southern passes the ball 62% of the time, ranking 21st in, uh, and third in the nation, really, at, at uh, passing the ball at the least attempts. 21st in success rate, which is good. Uh, the, Georgia State's weakness is a little bit against the pass. 94th in opponent passing success rate. But on the other hand, Georgia Southern ranks 108th in defensive explosiveness, while Georgia State, they rank 19th in explosiveness. They actually can have some pretty good plays with uh, Darren Granger. He he uses his legs when he needs to, and uh, it, he somehow converts these first downs. I've watched. I was on them versus Coastal Carolina, and he was just pounding down the field, and they got past Louisiana uh, last week. And uh, I just thought that, uh, you know, this is going to be makes of the great game, and there's issues on each side of the ball i actually lean to the over over 64 it's a high it's a very high number but man both teams top 47 in tempo georgia state does have the better defense what's funny about georgia state is they're actually showing numbers wise better on the road than they are at home but but i mean for this division this is a massive game brad and unfortunately georgia state has to play james madison so they gotta get this win to get the nod over Georgia Southern. Any thoughts on this one? I've not gotten involved, uh, but I agree with your sentiments that this is one of the bigger group of five games of the entire weekend. Uh, winner, uh, to me, has the inside track to, to capture that division, obviously with the James Madison not being eligible. It's a rivalry game. I don't think people understand it's a pretty important rivalry in that neck of the woods. Uh, I've been impressed with both teams. I think Clay Helton's done a tremendous job in this couple of years at Georgia Southern, transitioning that team away from the option. A heavy pass attack team. Like overnight, transfer portal certainly helped in that regard. Getting a couple of experienced quarterbacks the last couple of years there. Uh, Georgia State's been super impressive. You mentioned on the road, that short week, they, they got experience going short week. They did it already this year going on the road and really handling Coastal Carolina from start to finish in that game. And then, you know, the market was kind of against them last week, and they go on the road and handle a pretty decent West Division team in Louisiana. So they, they should feel confident. They go on the road and do it again. Um, not the greatest spot, I think, like back-to-back road against quality teams, short rest, yeah. but uh, uh, a game I'll be watching. I don't I don't know if I'll be necessarily involved, side or total, though, so I don't disagree uh, with, with your pick there. All right. Well, hey, it's going to be an exciting one, too, and I'll be watching it as well. 
Uh, unless some sort of blowout starts happening, then maybe I'll be just switching back to it. But it'll be on one of the TVs. Definitely plan on that. Can't wait for that. What's game. your TV setup? How many TVs you got? I have. Okay, so this gets technical because there's multiple rooms here. I have a a bar behind, like a a, a large bar table with bar seats behind my big couch. In well, I have an 85 inch TV in front. Then I have a picture TV, 65 inch on the right, that scrolls through our family photos. But I'll have uh, the game on, of course, via ESPN streaming a game there. I have my iPad uh, iPad right next to me streaming another game. And if I look to the right, I have a 75 inch, you know, about 20 yards away, which is big enough to see. And if my kids aren't playing PlayStation 5, I will certainly have that game on and be watching another game in that situation. So that's my setup, Brad. What do you do? Uh, yeah, I wish I had an 85. I got uh, a 75, 432s. Uh, so, you know, big one in the middle and then corner, corner, corner uh, for, for the, the other 432s. It's funny. I'm old enough uh, where a 32 was, a 32 inch was the family. That was the family TV was a 32 inch. It was big enough. That was big. <laughs> it looks nothing now. And then I got probably four or five other monitors up between my two Macs, my iPad, um, and some other stuff. So about a 10 screens uh, total. That's that's amazing. That's better than me. Uh, last stream, and Brad must have a pretty good interconnection connection at his house to be uh, to be <laughs> doing all that. That's awesome. Uh, no, you know, believe it or not, I still have cable. I'm a, I'm a dinosaur. I don't. I can't trust the streaming. I, I have no patience whatsoever. Uh, anytime a game starts, I, I you wouldn't believe. I mean, I already have high blood pressure. I can't get any more. So I still have K. So people court. I took pictures last year because I, I got the recent setup last year. Everyone cord shamed me because I got cable cords and everything. <laughs> I don't care. I don't need to hide everything. I don't. I really don't care. Nobody's comes at all, coming over to my place. I, I mean, I'm, I don't have company every night. So uh, yeah, I still have the old K. I didn't cut the cords yet. So I. I don't stream. I've never been cord shamed, but I've been shamed about worse things probably in my life. Um, I, I guess walking in the dark in, in your house might be a little dangerous, might fall on your face. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe you just kind of have it. It's like five steps this way. Turn to the left. I'll miss this cord. You probably have it down to a science. So uh, that's that's awesome. I don't care how many cords you have, man. You live by yourself. You're in a man pad, a bachelor pad. So you have nothing to worry about. No complaints. Now, I wish I had your setup, but... I would get a few complaints from the peanut gallery, so I would not uh, be be, <laughs> be allowed to uh, do that. What's up, Valvez, and what's up to uh, Sean? Uh, I know the weather is beautiful in El Paso. We mentioned a while ago. So, all right, let's. Have you ever been there? Snowball's nice, really nice. I've never been in El Paso. It's not far from me, but I heard that it's sunnier there than even Phoenix. I'm in Chandler actually, but I heard it's sunnier even there more times a year, which is hard to believe. We have sun probably close to 300 days a year so it's an, that's pretty amazing um no there's a i like to go a bowl game there sun bowl right so i'd like to check that out one of these days let's move on to another game brad and you can't you just can't stay away from notre dame i <laughs> think you picked one last year and your love hate school my man there is a thin line between love and hate i totally understand that being a bears fan and a badger fan i have plenty of my own problems but uh you know, Notre Dame, here we are. Uh, it's Pitt. I, I, I wrote 20.5. I'm going to check my odds screen here to see if it's still uh, at that number here. 20.5 on Beth Fred. That's correct. Uh, total is 44.5. Brad, what do you have for this one? 
I'm on Pitt. Uh, I just, I'm not sure Notre Dame get margin with their offense that they've tried out the, in recent weeks, and, and it looks good. The, the 48 point total uh, against uh, USC, but it came on less than 300 yards of offense. It was mainly due to the, the five turnover advantage and plus a kick return touchdown. So one of the more misleading final box scores of the entire college football season. Prior to that, the offense had struggled, obviously against decent defenses, but I mean. Only 20 against Louisville. That's not a great defense. Obviously, Duke and Ohio State shut them down. And then, you know, obviously, I follow the program quite well. Pitt, it doesn't matter if it's Lou Holtz or Brian Kelly or Charlie Weiss. Pitt historically gives Notre Dame problems year after year after year. And Notre Dame in the last 15 matchups has only beat Pitt by this margin twice. <laughs> Pitt for me. In a low-scoring game. I think Pitt, the quarterback change has helped them. And I always ask this, change one play, one call in a game. What's the line? There was a horrific call in the Pitt game last week. Otherwise, Pitt would be coming into this game on a two-game winning streak. The quarterback sliding, to me, my eye test, said that he got beyond the line before he slid. And all of a sudden, they got a punt. Wake Forest goes down and scores a touchdown. If Pitt wins that game, what's this line? Is it 20 and a half? I don't think it is. So give me Pitt. I think there's value there. Very interesting, and the, the, I like the handicap because there's a cer- certain th- there's a way you have to look at this game. You know, um, Pitt with Jerkovic, he he has not been able to put it in, and that's huge. It affects a lot of stats. You're not scoring a lot of points yet. Their defense kind of still shows like they can hang around a little bit, and that's the whole thing. It's like, can you use your metrics when there's a bad quarterback going to a good one? We don't know if who's good yet, but I mean, it, it certainly throws a wrench into some things. Um, uh, I think Jerkovic, we were, everyone was wrong about him. He started at Notre Dame, then he goes to Boston College. You know, he gets hurt, and everyone was on Boston College that year, and you know, it's just one of those situations where you think he's going to come back and come back, and he has just been bad. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I wonder if the public's going to say, well, Pitt beat Louisville and Notre Dame lost to Louisville, but Pitt, I, I, I hope they're not looking I at it that, that way. That's, <laughs> that would be a terrible way to look at it. But at the same time, you know, last week I was on Wake and it was just a spot play and I should have lost that one. But, you know, it was just one of those, that's what happens in college football type weeks. And uh, uh, it was just an amazing, crazy finish. Uh, probably some bad calls in that as well. I'm usually on the wrong side of that one, by the way. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's Pittsburgh's got a rivalry here. Their defense ranks 25th in success rate, 25th in opponent yards per play. It's their offense that's failed them. But now that you have the new quarterback, throw those offensive stats out. You know, um, the red zone was 121st in red zone TVs. 121st. If you can just score a few of those, you're in this game. Yeah, it's it, they're now they're coming off a loss, an ugly loss. Pitt's coming off a bye. I mean, sorry, Notre Dame's coming off a bye, but my numbers, even though they would say Notre Dame minus 22-23, I can see this definitely be covered if Pitt can get that ball in a little bit. So I have no play in it. This thing gets past 21, 21-ish. I might be a buyer, Brad. Yeah, yeah, Narduzzi's good for one or two of these a year. Where And he'll turn around and lose, I mean, as a favorite the yeah. very next week. But <laughs> usually his types of teams get up for stuff like this. They do, absolutely, 100%. Well, if you want to talk about fandom, I think I picked a game for me here. The next one here, um, Ohio State playing my Badgers. Badgers are 14.5 point dogs at home. The total is 43.5. 
I'm going to do something a little bit against my character as well because uh, usually I'm a fader when it comes to Wisconsin. I think I was right to say their win total should be seven and a half or eight games. A lot of people love them before the season started. They have some issues now, obviously, with the quarterback. But it's funny. You look at the spread and you look at the total. It's 43 and a half. It's a freaking big total for a home dog at a night game, you know. If Ohio State has a flat spot this year, I mean, where, where would you have circled it? Probably this one, yeah. I think it is this one because next week at Rutgers, you know, they're playing against one of their ex-coaches, at least that one was there for a little while, and defense coordinator. You know, so they lost Tanner Mordecai, but I like what Braden Locke did last week at the end of that Illinois game. I mean, he was a good recruit going into Mississippi State. Nice transfer for the Badgers, I thought. I think he saw opportunity there that he can be a starter in a year or two. And getting away from Alabama and, uh, you know, LSU, probably not the worst decision, you know. What the heck? And you now you have to go to an offensive-favoring place. And he had some really nice dimes that he threw. Ohio State's got the 2.1 net yard per, per play advantage over the Badgers. And that's why you're seeing such a big spread here. And it's just Ohio State. But... If like I, like you said, if there's a flat spot, it's right here. And I remember in 2010, Ohio State was ranked number one. Wisconsin on a night game beat them at home, and that was a fun game. And I was at a wedding that game day, and I told my friend to never get married again. And this, and he ended up getting divorced. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> remember like, that game well, 31-18. Joe yeah. Pryor, quarterback for the Buckeyes, yep. couple big runs. Yep, They're rolling that night. Oh yeah, they were. It was. It was a total, massive, just big, big thing for Wisconsin. Everyone was happy that week. But it's it, they play Penn State. They got a little fortunate with that call, and it was they. I'll play Penn State too. Don't get me wrong. I think they technically should have won that game anyway. I'm not sure what happens if Penn State gets that you know touchdown. But I think Ohio State probably comes back and wins by three or so. But oh, um, I don't know. Okay, so there, there you go. I, I'm just looking at the fact that Penn State can convert a third down at the second half. You know that. Yeah, true. That, true. Good point. That's what I was looking at. <laughs> uh, I mean, and it's a momentum sport, and it does change momentum. So there you go. That's we have no idea. Let's just say, but uh, if there is something you can kind of take that might be benefiting Wisconsin, it's. I mean, the rushing offense does rank 10th in the success rate. Brandon Allen is going to the NFL. He's a stud. He's big. He's strong. Ohio State, they're really good against the run at three yards per rush, but I thought that Penn State was able to run the ball a little bit against them in the first half. And uh, the Badgers rank 26 in sack margin plus eight. Maybe they can get to McCord a little bit. You know, he's been gotten to that a little bit with some blitzes, draw a few different out, rattle them a little bit, flat spot, night game loud camp randall crowd he might not have the time for those crossing routes to marvin harrison you know he might not have the time for that i mean this could be the stinker of this yeah i just think 14 and a half is too much points in the situation i think you know my power rings have this probably close to 14 but i'm going to give wisconsin a couple extra bumps for the spot the uh the night game I, I, I'm going to make this 11 a Buckeyes by 11 I'll take 14 and a half with Wisconsin for two and a half stars Brad there you go wow uh I didn't bet it uh at least this week I didn't I bet it back in the summer I I won't mention what I got uh <laughs> so because uh, nobody cares uh I think a lot of what you brought up is true in fact I mean Kyle McCord to me is still very shaky and when I said that I'm not sure 
that they would have, you know, beaten Penn State. It's, man, did you see his eyes after that play? I mean, he was, like, almost visibly shaken after that, uh, you know, possible score uh, for Penn State. Uh, it, it helps that he has Marvin Harrison, but a lot of times he still can't even get him the ball. Uh, on the slant routes, I, I'm not sure that Ryan Day fully trusts him. You're talking about, uh, you know, they had the ball right before the half. They decided to take a knee. That's not Ohio State football. <laughs> Ryan Day's not doing that with C.J. Stroud at quarterback. Uh, however, I'm always about change one play. Well, what's the narrative? Change, you know, does the point spread change? I go back to the Wisconsin-Illinois game last week. Uh, Illinois is up 21-7. And uh, Newton, the defensive lineman, uh, smashes the Wisconsin quarterback, lock fumbles on the play. Uh, goes to the booth. It's targeting on Newton, a first-team All-American type defense lineman for Illinois. I hate that. Uh, and instead of Illinois having the ball in the red zone, already up two scores on uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin gets the t- targeting. Newton gets thrown out of the game. Wisconsin starts getting some drives. They end up scoring their last three drives of the game. So big momentum shift there. That doesn't happen? Oof, I don't know. I mean, what's the thought process on Wisconsin? Then it's it probably not good. Well, it's, uh, then it's 17 and a half, and you take Wisconsin again. <laughs> There you go. Good point. Uh, I don't see, I don't see a pathway for a lot of success for Wisconsin's offense. So that's what kept me off of it. I do see a pathway for Wisconsin's defense, especially if they can turn McCord over a few times. I know he's only throw one pick, but I'm telling you, he's thrown. He's had a lot of turnover worthy plays. I mean, we, the Penn State game, the Notre Dame game. What's the narrative uh, if the Notre Dame uh, defensive back does, doesn't drop the interception at the end? We're thinking about Ohio State differently right totally. now, offensively. Completely. So. Or if they had 11 guys on the field at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even with 10 guys on the field, he just reached out and got the touchdown by an inch. I mean, come on, folks. Uh, that's why I'm big on that. So I, I'm i not going to disagree with you. I, I think if there's uh, a side to take, I'd probably be more on the Wisconsin side. I just I can't get there uh, on them. They, they need to show a little bit more offensively for me. Maybe they gained a hell of a lot of confidence in that fourth quarter. It, it looks like uh, – Fickle believes that, I mean, if you read his comments this week, he thinks he saw something out of his team in that fourth quarter. Fickle's a great coach. Used to be with the Buckeyes years ago. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, he'll be motivated. He'll be he'll be very motivated, and it's a spot play. It's really just a spot play. Sometimes you can throw out numbers, and it's a situation. So I'm usually not a Badger backer. I'm more like you, pessimistic uh, when, it comes to our, <laughs> when it comes to my teams. Uh, but in this, I'm going to finally back them, and maybe I'll pay for it. But uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's I'm, I'm trying to look at it just from a spot and not as a fan. So we'll see what happens. And it's not a large play; it's a medium play. Two point five stars for me. Units, whatever you want to say. I stars are units. <laughs> Oregon versus Utah. Utah plus six and a half total is forty eight. Brad, you pick this one. I'm wondering if uh, there's a play coming afterwards. You know what? I, I, I'm on the Oregon side on this one. Uh, let's just look at yards for play net. Utah 0.0. Uh, Blue Tarski's grade point average. I know it's a 40-year-old movie reference, but if you're older, you would know. Uh, 0.0 yards for play, so dead even. Oregon Street plus 3.1. Usually when you see a difference like that, you're dealing with a point spread above three touchdowns, not, not less than a touchdown. I know it's scary uh, to, to lay points in Salt Lake City. I just... I still wonder if Utah's offense can keep pace here. Now, they've shown some things the last couple of weeks. They converted a safety to running back and kind of slot receiver in Sione Vaki. He's given them some explosives uh, out of the offense last couple of weeks. 
you're not playing USC's defense this week. Oregon's a little bit better. I just think Oregon's been there, done that. Obviously, with already a loss, they have some urgency, just like Utah. Uh, I'm leaning towards the the, the Oregon side here. It is what, what I, I bet anything under a touchdown. Okay. All right. So we're going to have a little disagreement. Um, oh. That's good. I, I, I love having some disagreement, as long as, obviously, we both agree on most stuff. We're all right. Uh this is it's going to be a great game, uh, probably an underrated game. Utah, you could say, could be in a letdown spot, but they're at home. You know, it's uh, it was a big wing against USC, and uh, it came very close at the end. But I think the fact that they finally announced Cam Rising is not coming back. Maybe the team knew that. I think it's just it, it, it's almost a calming situation for them. It's like the, we are who we are. This is how we play. Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson keep on trucking, right? Um, the matchup to watch is Oregon's number two passing offense versus Utah's number two passing defense and success rate. That's really going to dictate what's going to happen if this spread's going to be covered. I think Utah can slow the Ducks' offense down, but Oregon's crutch is um, against the run, they're 56. Now, that's not bad in success rate, but you've got quarterbacks running now, and you have a Utah. They're going to slow this game down, and that's why you see a total yep. of 48. They're going to try to slow this thing to a crawl, and I agree with that. Um, now, here's the thing. The public power ratings, and most power ratings have Oregon by seven, even the respected ones that I like as well. Um, I'm not quite there. I'm between three and seven. Uh, but it's the handicap is something that's really gets missed in my opinion in a lot of shows is the home road splits and Bo Nix on the road has not been good and Danny Lanning as a coach on the road has not been good especially against Washington Oregon has a 3.0 net yards per play but that number goes to 1.6 on the road and and they went they played a weaker defense in Washington you know Washington's kind of like the oh, I, I guess the, Maybe like the Miami Dolphins, a decent defense and great offense. Uh, you know, it's they're a great team. Don't get me wrong. But um, Oregon should have won that game. But you saw what happens. And Utah is zero net yards per play, like you said. But it goes up to .6 at home. So you have about a one-point net yard per play, which I call six or seven points. Uh, at home, if you give Utah three points, three and a half for home field, then it goes down to like three and a half points spread, in my opinion. If you just want to do simple math, simple numbers, nothing too... Um, advanced, but uh, Utah's schedule, I think it's, I think it's been harder. Uh, Florida, UCLA, oh, it's been significantly harder. Florida, UCLA, USC, Oregon State. While Oregon just played at Washington, like I said, a defense that's a little suspect, and we saw that Washington State was fake news. <laughs> you know, they were fake news. Sorry, they they made some big plays in some big games, and they kind of showed their true face the last few weeks um since 2012 utah 42 28 and 1 against the spread at home 60 percent i'm not gonna be scared i'm taking that i'm taking utah but i grabbed seven i did grab seven but i still like it at six and a half for two and a half stars but here we are it's gonna be a fun one a lot of disagreement in the market saw some early money to get it to seven buy back at seven okay. you see a lot of that in the big games uh specifically this year mm. a lot of difference uh, of opinions all right, lots of difference of opinion. All right, so numbers matter too, folks. Numbers definitely matter, definitely. So we we picked your three games already, right? Did I miss one? Yep, um, yep you got them. Okay, so let's let's go to the final game: Georgia versus Florida. Florida plus fourteen and a half totals forty-seven and a half. 
This game's becoming more interesting because of Brock Bowers, obviously, for Georgia being out. I don't think just Georgia offense is the same without Todd Munkin at coordinator and with Carson Beck as quarterback, but it's it's hard because I'm looking at a former quarterback in Graham Mertz, and I thank God that we're not talking about it as a Badger. I feel the same way about Florida away from home. Now, this is a neutral site, but I just do not know what I'm going to get out of Graham Mertz. I don't. And I still look at Georgia as a team that just had it so easy, they can kind of just pick their spots to plan for. I mean, we say that about Alabama, too. I mean, my power number is Georgia minus 15. But I, I really have low confidence in this game. I have a low confidence level. You know, I nothing really would surprise me too much. I wanted to talk about it because the game was so big, and I can waste time going yep. into all the nuts and bolts about it. But, you know, I, I don't like Georgia without Todd Munkin. Um, and I don't like Florida away from home. I was on Kentucky when they played Kentucky just for the home road splits. So uh, I, I'm going to leave this one alone. But I think the biggest cocktail party, uh, I'll be having a cocktail for that game. So any thoughts yeah. on this one, bud? Yeah, I'm in a similar situation. Uh, not a high value pick, but we're, we're going to learn a lot about both teams. Obviously, you know, Billy Napier's lead a little bit to be desired uh, so far through his tenure, although he picked up, uh, you know, some big wins against Tennessee and South Carolina, no- notably uh, here uh, this year already. Obviously, strength of schedule is taking a big step up in class. Georgia's strength of schedule has left a lot to be desired so far this season. Right. So uh, I know Florida's not world beaters, but it's uh, average power rating for Florida is better than the average power rating on what. Georgia's faced most of the season. So we'll learn a little bit. We're certainly going to learn how Georgia's going to play the rest of the year without Brock Bowers, at least the rest of the regular season. He's a guy that's going to move the needle as far as a point spread. The, the very rare situation where a tight end should uh, drop a team's power rating point, point and a half, but that's how important he is to the pass game. They use him on jet sweeps and whatnot. So I'm anxious to see Georgia's offense without him. Uh, I have some concerns on Florida. You mentioned Mertz. I think they protected him very well. They run a lot of motion, pre-snap motion. He's got a really good safety valve at wide receiver and Ricky Pearsall. And it's not playing Georgia's defense each and every week. Right. So I'm anxious to see what you know how aggressive Georgia gets defensively against him. Uh, maybe they, they put some extra guys in the box and, and really see if Mertz can beat him over the top. I would question Mertz's ability to do that. And then we'll see Carson Beck. He's played well. He's been fine. He hasn't been an issue for Georgia. Uh, we'll see how their game plan. I, I expect them to be more run heavy without Bowers. Uh, just that they don't have a lot of great receiving threats. So, intriguing game. I, just because I always tell people, just because it's one of the biggest games of the week, doesn't mean it's one of the b- biggest value bets of the week. Exactly. That's. I think you said it perfectly. The number's good. We don't know what to expect. Nothing would shock me. Uh, let's stay away from it and just enjoy it. You know, and that's important. I like enjoying games without having to sweat something sometimes. You know, it's uh, the college football fan, and you analyze for the next games, too. Maybe you want to find you found something that you can find a weakness for something else. So I totally agree with that. Well, let's quick do, like, just a little random before we get to our best bets here. Um, coming into this week here, uh, you know, we did mention Clemson versus NC State. Any thoughts on the 10 on this? The total's 44 to uh, NC State home dog plus 10. Made it 10. I did bet Clemson early in the week. So 10 is the, my, my number on the game. We're going to find, like I mentioned, we're going to find out if Clemson, uh, uh, what they have, because they not only have this game uh, this week, they still have Notre Dame. They still have North Carolina. They still have South Carolina. They could get ugly uh, with a team already with three losses. So that, they better bring something this week. 
you know what's interesting is the way Dabo Sweeney coaches it you know it's kind of in your face and if the team's not winning it can make kids turn on you a little bit yeah and I'm thinking this could be a bad another bad situation here for Dabo um uh, it's NC State or nothing coming off the bye big spot for them weakness has been shown on offense especially uh letting that game get into overtime against a backup quarterback in Miami and pathetic um, very pathetic especially and, when they were leading by 10 in the fourth quarter come on well i'm gonna put that one away well i'm pathetic because i had uh miami plus three and a half or something like that and then i found out about the quarterback and i bet i bought, I bought back at clemson same amount at minus three and here we go miami wins out right and they have to buy back he's like you know one of those that happens <laughs> it happens oh man it's gonna be an interesting game i i i have nine uh, for my number, so it's pretty close to the spread, but um, I could be an investor a little bit later in NC State. Uh, you know, Texas all the way down to minus 17 and a half. That looks like a little juice at Betfred here, uh, minus 115. Uh, uh, Texas or nothing for me. Uh, you know, it's funny. They talk about Manning. He's not playing this year, in my opinion. Do you think Archie Manning plays? No. Yeah, I don't think so. No, Arch's not going to play. Uh, it'll be Malik Murphy. Yeah, be unless more. he go unless Murphy goes on throws like five interceptions, then they might you know the cries for Arch will be there. But no, I actually expect Murphy to have success in this one. So Texas for me. Well, let's wait. Market, you know, Joe, uh, Barney at the bar is going. Oh, the quarterback's out for Texas. We got that BYU. Let's see if we can get a better number on Texas. I don't know if Barney at the bar can move it as much, but maybe there's a lot of Barneys yeah, out there. True. Maybe there's a ton of Barneys that'll. There's more than there used to be with legalization. That's true. That's true. I think this is one of those you look at the books um, to see where maybe a regional book or something would be a little bit more based and maybe you'll get your number. That, that's interesting. It's definitely something to look out for. Duke Louisville. Louisville minus four. Louisville coming off that ugly loss to Pittsburgh. Now they're, they have one loss and Duke's coming off of a massive choke when they're beating Florida State 14 uh, by 14 points. What, what about this one? Yeah, it's all entirely dependent on Riley Leonard. Can he play or not? And uh, if he can play, can, you know. Well, why can't he play? He played last week. I got re-aggravated oh, the ankle right. and yep. Uh, yep. didn't finish the game. And that was the 21 nothing run out was uh, after he left the game. They're driving to go up 10 late third quarter. He gets hurt. They bring the backup in. They go for it on fourth and goal. Don't get it. Florida State goes down the field, uh, scores to go up 24-20, and then it's just a mismatch in the fourth quarter. So, uh, it all depends on Leonard. If he gets ruled out, I'm here to tell. If you think he doesn't play, I'm here to tell you you should be betting Louisville now because this number will go to seven. It will go to seven for sure. Uh, yeah, Duke was Duke is just a very well coached team without the talent. And oh, they it, are it shows. It just it, you take them against anybody that's, that doesn't have the power and they're probably covering but you know louisville this year has some power and some talent and a very good coach and now without a quarterback they can be overpowered i think in this situation too so um not like louisville's got five-star talent or anything like that but it's just a situation where obviously without the quarterback and season's a little bit messed up i know you took their under in their season win total you might still have a shot there brad no no i'm done I took Duke. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fried. What's that? It's five wins now? Four or five? It's five, right? Yeah, they're five, they're five wins. I bet. What did I bet? Under six and a half? I thought so it was seven. Win another. I, I mean, I think they'll win. I honestly think they're going to win eight. That's how much I think of Elko. I think the team's legit. 
Virginia at Miami, Miami laying 19 points probably with their backup still, but I don't really care. I just think Virginia, you know, it looks like a letdown spot after North Carolina, but at the same time, it's not really because they're kind of, they still need wins. You know, it's not like, I don't know. It's an interesting handicap for it because you usually see a big win and think it's a letdown spot, but also for a team that's trying to do something, I did see them play James Madison tough, and they got some calls on their side, they too. They've got some calls, but I usually bet the dog Virginia in this game in the past. It's 19 points. I'd take Virginia again, probably. I, I don't know what my number says. I'll pull it up while you talk about it real quick. Yeah, tough one, again, depending on the quarterback. I, I, I'm i a little bit more optimistic. Tyler Van Dyke could play uh markets kind of leaning you know getting closer to that i would say that he's at least 50 50 if not getting to closer to be profitable or probable in this game uh i don't know I, I will say this in the virginia game last week typically when you see a 24 point underdog winning outright why turnover something goofy happened in the game mm-hmm. wasn't goofy better than north carolina uh, in that game, so maybe that's a. I I, I hear your point. Uh, might be a buy sign for a second. Your coach is really struggling. Uh, then maybe that that's a program changer for them. But uh, I'm not interested. I don't like Crystal Ball. I can tell you that. I don't even like Elliot to be honest. I don't care if he won last week. I haven't. <laughs> the first 20 games of his career has been horrific. So I'm not gonna let one data point uh, change my mind on him so far. You can almost say Miami's in letdown after beating Clemson too. I guess so. There you yeah, go. Yeah, good point. There you go. Yep. Old Dominion at James Madison. James Madison's minus twenty. It's James Madison or nothing for me, but I probably not. Close. I'm not up to that number. I know that. Yeah, huge mismatch. Uh, James Madison, one of the best teams at getting after the quarterback in the entire country. Old Dominion's one of the worst at protecting the quarterback. So that's a big of a mismatch as you see in college football. There it is, and so that's going to be fun to watch. Could be an absolute devastation. Plus, James Madison's just playing like they're playing furious because. They want to show the world that they're going to go undefeated and should be in the even. They're, they're probably even saying college football playoff, but they 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 want to look like look we're undefeated and no one's beating us. We'll say that we they can't wait to the end of the season. So yeah, I'm not fading James Madison for it. You know what I'd like to see in your neck of the woods, like you know bar stools, like you know anti-establishment. Why don't they just say screw the NCAA, invite like James Madison to a bowl game or something like that? They should. They should make their own game. Yeah. They'd have to pay two sides yeah. and figure it out um i i would wonder if the their opponent would be upset for pissing off their conference or their ncaa or or something that's that's true good point that's so much politics with it it's just ridiculous that james madison's not going to be in the postseason this year really good team really good team last year i can make case that they might have been the best sunbelt team last year i agree with you i think they were and now they're definitely there uh washington state arizona state's the last one before our best bets plus six home dog asu Almost pulls up the upset against Washington. Horrible pass interference pickup. Why would you throw it if you're picking oh it up God, when yeah. you're pulling the guy back? You think money don't control this thing? Jesus. What are your thoughts? Yeah, should have won that game. Not only the pass interference, they missed a couple field goals, stopped on downs, a 90-yard pick six. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that, sh- that, that was a four-touchdown underdog that probably should have won outright. Nothing fluky there. Fluky that they didn't win. Uh, they're playing better, Arizona State. I got to tell you, I mean, I was ready to throw Washington State in the trash after their Arizona performance, but I thought they played pretty hard. I just watched that game against Oregon. They played – they didn't look like they quit on the season. So, uh, 
game I'll find a lot about both teams. I will um, too. Game, uh, home dog or nothing for me for ASU, but yep. I'm not touching it. I'm just going to let that one play out. Um, all right, let's get into our best bet section. And uh, I got one with a really under-the-radar game. It's probably a smelly, like, sicko-type game. Uh, Arkansas State versus Louisiana Monroe. Louisiana Monroe minus 2.5, totals 56.5. I'm just saying I like Louisiana Monroe here. It's my best bet. Uh, they have a small net yard per play advantage over Arkansas State of .25, but they're at home, and neither offense is all that good. But, man, ULM has had the rougher situation, in my opinion, opening up with App State, whom they lost to by one point, South Alabama, who we just talked about, um, Texas State losing by one, which is a much-improved Texas State team, and Georgia Southern. You know, so... Uh, you look at Arkansas State, you know, the hardest conference game they had was against Troy. They played the bottom feeders, Southern Miss and those. And they lost by over 30 points. Now, Monroe's defense, better against the run. Uh, and their offense is much better at running the ball. 4.7 yards per rush to 4.1. Arkansas State's going to try to throw the ball around. But, I mean, coaching, I'll take Terry Bowden over Butch Jones all day, man. This is just a Butch Jones fade situation, in my opinion. This is about time ULM gets this conference win. They need it. I I have the Warhawks six point two five. I'll take I'll take minus two and a half for three stars. Yeah, I'm at a three, so I'm with you. I think that's the right side. Again, change one play in one game. If they somehow beat Texas State and or somehow beat App State, App State, I believe in that game kicked a fifty some yard field goal in the final play to win. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's the chances of that, college kickers? So, yeah, I, I would say value, certainly, on the ULM side. You get total agreement with uh, with me there. Good stuff, man. What is your best bet for this show? I'm going to go with a super big underdog here. We're going to take Vanderbilt plus 24 and a half. Uh, te- Vanderbilt team that's lost six straight games uh, coming into this one. But I'll tell you what, they are 6-0 and to this number because in those six losses, none of them were by more than 24 points. And... <laughs> I think they needed, after playing eight straight weeks, a bye. They got one. They finally got rested up. Got a little healthier, although they're going to be missing. It looks like maybe they're leading tacklers. So that's a concern a little bit. It's also a concern that Lane Kiffin knows the point spread. Um, so uh, there's certainly a concern there because he's not afraid to tack one on. But I just think Vandy will be a little feisty. They were feisty in their last game prior to it, losing by 17 to Georgia. And that game, Georgia scored last. That was a 10-point game there with about five minutes left in the game. So uh, I, I think they haven't given up on the season. I pretty much, I do like Clark Lee. This was the time of year last year where they pulled a couple of major up, outright upsets, went on the road and beat Kentucky as a big dog, beat Florida outright as a big dog. Don't need him to win. Just need him to lose by 24 or less. Let's take Vanderbilt, no, a team nobody wants to bet. It's, I, I love it. That's a, a ton of, just a ton of points right there in this situation is Ken Seals the quarterback or AJ Swan I know Swan was banged up they're going to move forward with uh Seals he's uh protected the ball now he doesn't give them maybe that uh juice that a healthy AJ Swan would but AJ Swan's not been healthy all year and Seals you know certainly and Clark Lee said this he's protected the football more that's big when you got a big underdog I know I don't need you helping out the team and get, you know, throwing three, four picks here. So sure. only two interceptions for him. He's just been the more efficient quarterback this year with Swan uh, being less than 100%. So they're moving forward for the rest of the year with Seals, it looks like. Well, there you go. And his numbers look a lot better right now than Swan's anyway uh, coming into the season. Gosh, he's um, – I mean, it's it, it's a big difference. I just had the numbers up, so here I am uh, tripping over on myself. Uh, 
let's see here, Vanderbilt passing situation. He is 61.9% to Schwan's 53.8%. Uh, eight TDs, two interceptions. Uh, Swan had 11 TDs and seven interceptions. So a uh, little bit better so far. And, you know, I know they have some wide receivers banged up, but, I mean, there should be some other kids that can catch a ball on Vanderbilt. Uh, Ole Miss, probably a flat spot, in my opinion, for them. Um, you know, coming off the Auburn game, this was a game where had a lot of, like, backstory being that everyone thought Lane Kiffin yep. was going to go to Auburn. So it's almost like a letdown spot for them at Vandy. Like, a really sneaky one. I'm on it with you, buddy. I'm taking it as well. Let's do it. I'm, I'm loving it. Great play. What else is great is you coming on this show talking to our listeners and being such a great friend of the show and we really appreciate it here where could our listeners get your wonderful information in place brad you follow me on twitter or x or whatever they're calling it these days you kids are calling it these days at <laughs> brad power seven is that handle there brad power seven if you like what you see there you can uh, hop on over to the old school website bradpowersports.com make sure you check out bradpowersports.com brad is a very busy man uh huge thanks again brad for coming on uh, really appreciate everything, and we'll be uh, texting and tweeting this weekend. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Now it is time for the sharp side of the force. The sharp side of the force is brought to you by Bet Fred Sports. For 250 bucks worth of free bets, please visit theosbreakers.com. Click Bet Fred. Terms, conditions, and location apply. All right. Sharp money. We're starting with college football week nine as of Wednesday, 2 p.m. Pacific. Charm I am Virginia Tech, minus one and a half to minus three, hosting Syracuse. 37% of the tickets, 58% of the money. Charm I am BYU, plus 20.5 to plus 17.5 at Texas. 81% of the tickets, 97% of the money. Charm I am UCLA, minus 17 to minus 17.5, hosting Colorado. 38% of the tickets and 8% of the money. Charm I am Arizona, plus 6.5 to plus 3.5, hosting Oregon State. 78% of the tickets and 91% of the money. Charm I am San Jose State, minus 9 to minus 10.5 at Hawaii. 95% of the tickets and 97% of the money. Sharp totals. Syracuse versus Virginia Tech, under 48.5 to 47. 38% of the tickets and 8% of the money. Charm I am UMass versus Army, over 44 Point five to forty-seven point five, sixty percent of the tickets and eighty-nine percent of the money. Sharp Miami Duke versus Louisville under forty-seven point five to forty-six point five, twenty-seven percent of the tickets and sixty-three percent of the money. Sharp Miami Tulane versus Rice under fifty-eight point five to fifty-four point five, fifty percent of the tickets and seventy-nine percent of the money. Sharp Miami San Jose State versus Hawaii under sixty-two to sixty, fifty percent of the tickets and ninety-four percent of the money. I disagree with that one. All right, Sharp NFL Week Eight movement. <laughs> to be honest with you, there's. Some movement to key numbers and some buyback. So I don't like including them, but the ones that haven't had as much buyback, Colts plus 1.5 to pick, hosting the Saints, 38% of the tickets, 66% of the money. Charmaine and the Lions, minus 6 to minus 8, hosting the Raiders, 98% of the tickets and 98% of the money. I feel like the Lions are a little sharper this week when it comes to the market. Not a lot of movement. Uh, sharp totals, Vikings versus Packers, under 44.5 to 42, 78% of the tickets and 90% of the money. Charmaine the Patriots versus Dolphins under 47 to 46.5, 80% of the tickets and 96% of the money. Charmaine the Texans versus Panthers over 41.5 to 43.5, 86% of tickets and 90% of the money. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Odds Breakers. A huge thanks to Brad Powers for coming on, breaking down a ton of college football games. I hope you enjoy all your Halloween festivities this weekend and next week. I hope you enjoy all the games. Win some bets. Don't make any scary bets. And go get some winners.
And grisly goons from every tomb Are closing in to seal your doom And though you fight to stay alive Your body starts to shiver For no mere mortal can resist The evil of the thriller <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.